This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. On this podcast, I amplify the feminine voice and curate feminine glory so that you, my listener, find your own fierce and lovely story. It has become somewhat of a sacred journey for me to uncover the stories of women from around the world throughout time and present day. The more fierce and lovely women I explore, the more I fall in love with the one in whose image we reflect. My hope is that in this space, you embrace your own beautifully ordinary life as the majority story most of us are living. I have been so excited about today's episode, Istanbul, Turkey. This is the seventh curated city guide that I have created for my email subscribers, and I have just been waiting to introduce them to this exotic city of my heart. When I decided to focus the podcast episode on a woman from that city the week the guide releases, I knew that this would be one of my favorite. So let me tell you a story. It's a story of two kids who found themselves raising babies in one of the largest neighborhoods in one of the largest cities in the world. Because you need to know a bit about how and why Istanbul, Turkey is like a second home to me. I met my husband in college in Chicago, and I've written a bit of that origin story for Red Tent Living this month. And we married and worked for a year to pay off school loans with an eye toward adventure. We knew that for at least a year, we needed to go overseas. We thought maybe Italy or Germany because of my husband's roots and he spoke German and hello, Italian food. So with eyes open for clarity, we started our jobs with curiosity and some self-awareness. I was working as a crisis intervention counselor, and I'm using that term very loosely, as I was 21 years old and I only had a social policy degree, but I was on the West side and a new counselor was hired whom I was assigned to train. And every day he and I drove around the city to foster families and in between houses, we would debate theology because he was a recent convert to Islam and I was a young, passionate Christian. Khalil was my first Muslim acquaintance, and he rocked my world. Chris and I became fascinated by the Middle East, by Islam, the Quran, and slowly our curiosity got the better of us. Our need for adventure combined with a need to better understand the world, which combined with some friends telling us about their year in Turkey. And so we boarded a plane for a year in Turkey without even being able to say merhaba, hello in Turkish. And that year turned into a decade. We actually lived there a total of seven years, eventually moving there full-time with a one-year-old and finally leaving for good years later with three kids. The in-between was life. It was good and hard 
and crazy and all those things. You know, that's life in many ways, right? But I do think maybe ours was a bit crazier than average. We were there during 9-11, during the Iraq War, during the Afghanistan invasion, during multiple bombings. We experienced our phones being tapped, uh, brushes with military police. Our teammates were murdered. My husband was stabbed. Our babies lived on nebulizers, and our youngest almost died. I mean, when I say crazy, I, I think I mean crazy. And so when we moved to Seattle in 2007 with a seven, four, and one-year-old, we were shell-shocked. We had PTSD and didn't even know it, and it would take years to unwind. But something had happened. Turkey had gotten into our soul. This exotic, crazy, foreign place had become home, and we would feel tethered to it for another decade. If you follow me on Instagram, perhaps you followed our family trip last summer in 2018 when we felt compelled to return all together before our son left for college. We knew there was more of the story to be written. And what we discovered is that it was kind of the final chapter. So we stood on the edge of the Bosphorus at sunset on our last night, watching the ferries come in and the sunset behind the Hagia Sophia and the Blue Mosque. It felt like the closure we needed, the tether released. I can't fully describe it, but my soul felt lighter. We had explored parts of the country that we loved, but that the kids didn't remember My husband and I had blessed our younger selves, naming and honoring all that we had held at age 25, 30, 33. We walked the streets of our old neighborhood and bought cake in the bakery where Chris was stabbed. In an unexpected way, seeing us as parents through 18-year-old eyes exponentially increased our son's respect, which proved vital for his first semester at college. It's hard to explain, but the whole trip was redemptive. We left thinking, if we return, it will be for different reasons. And you'll have to stick with me till the end to hear more about that. So there's the backstory. And that's important for you to understand as I transition to tell you about one woman I've learned about. Living and being involved in Turkey for over 20 years, you can imagine that I've seen famous sites hundreds of times. We own numerous guidebooks, have listened to numerous guides, and led them ourselves. However, when I went back with the lens to discover the women, I found stories I had never read about. Fingerprints of women on the city abound, as they do in every city. I had just never known to look. So today I want to tell you about just one And if you're interested in more, head over to bethbruno.org forward slash travel dash guide to make sure you get access to the city guides. Here's the quick Cliff Notes version of Istanbul history. So they have found evidence of settlements that date back to 6700 BC. It was a Greek colony and then a Roman colony and then became Byzantium and then Constantinople in 330 AD, the capital of the Roman Empire. It was the capital of the Byzantium Empire as well for over a thousand years until in 1453, Mehmet the Conqueror 
took it over, renamed it Istanbul, brought in Islam, brought in the reign of the Sultan, and it became the capital of the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire reigned that whole region and went further west and further east until it collapsed in World War I, and the modern-day Republic of Turkey was born in 1923. Then Ataturk, the, the president of Turkey, Ataturk meaning father of the Turks, moved the capital from Istanbul to the middle of the country in a city back then that was just a village, uh, which is called Ankara. In the guide, I cover women from various time periods, but in this episode, I want to tell you about one woman so mysterious that an entire Turkish TV soap opera series was made called The Magnificent Century, and it used to be available on Netflix. I tried to watch it, but I have to say the cheesiness of it was hard to take in large quantities. Her name is Hurem Sultan, known as Roxelina to Westerners. She was the sultan's favorite concubine, turned wife, turned queen. It's thought that her real name was Alexandra and that she was captured as a young girl in the Ukraine and sold in the slave markets in Istanbul. She wound up in the harem, which was really the section of the Ottoman palace where the women lived and their children lived with them, but they were also basically sexual servants. She was made to convert to Islam and go through all of the training on how to please the sultan. And honestly, Alexandra's story is right out of the Old Testament book of Esther. As the sultan's concubine, she bore him a son, making her a mother of a potential future heir. And so at this point, per custom, she was supposed to be sent away, never to have relations with the sultan again. And they were she and her son were to go to some provincial Um, palace, and she would raise him to be a governor of that area of the empire, and maybe eventually one day he would become the the next sultan. But Suleiman, who loved her, didn't do this. He didn't send her away, and so she quickly became his favorite, earning her the name Hasiki, which is favored one, and she bore him many more sons and a daughter, and this was really the beginning of how they Both just broke with tradition. So by 1533 or so, Suleiman and uh, Haram, which means joyful one, are married. And again, this is never heard of. Per custom, the sultan was never to marry one of his slave women, one of his concubines. So now she has been given even more power and she begins to wield it. She moves her family and all of her related attendants to the new Topkapa Palace where the Sultan lives, but also where the government offices are. So this puts her in even greater proximity to the ruler. And she begins to work there with the famous architect, Sinan, to commission public work projects in her name. Again, this is just not something that was common for a young woman who is still raising future heirs to do. Maybe eventually when the when her son is on the, the throne, she, the sultan's uh, mother would begin to commission public works, but not at this point. And so again, just breaking with tradition. So if you ever visit Istanbul, which I hope you do, and you go to Topkapa Palace, you definitely have to tour the harem. And I want you to imagine Harem Sultan holding her own important meetings there. 
And as you leave and you head toward the Hagia Sophia, which has its own secrets that I write about in the city guide, I want you to look across the, the park to the Blue Mosque, and on the left-hand side, you'll see this beautiful old Turkish bath. Well, that is hers. She commissioned Sinan, the architect, to build it in 1556, and it's called the Hagia Sophia Haram Sultan Hamama, which is her Turkish bath. She also commissioned him to build mosque complexes. And again, I want you to picture more than just a church building or, you know, a, a mosque, but a, all around it, there were, uh, there was a hospital for women. There were hostels for travelers. There were public elementary schools, soup kitchens, uh, seminaries for future imams or Islamic priests. And so she had, she built several of these, not just in Istanbul, but in Ankara and Jerusalem and other places. Again, just so breaking with tradition. The reason that moving into the palace with the government offices was so unheard of is that previously uh, an earlier religious ruler had decreed that no woman shall live in the same building where government is conducted. And so not only did she live there, but she eventually becomes chief advisor to Suleiman. And this is a problem because not only does she become influential, now she becomes incredibly controversial. And even though she's never seen by visitors, um, she has his ear and they know it. And so we start to see writings in, um, like there's this Venetian diplomat who wrote a ton about the gossip that he would hear whenever he went to Istanbul or went into the Topkapi Palace. And so we have visitors starting to spread rumors about her. And in typical fashion of that time period, because they couldn't explain a woman who had such influence, they attributed it to witchcraft. So she became incredibly controversial. But I think the biggest legacy of her power and influence is that after her death and after Suleiman's death, their son, Selim II, takes over and he allows his harem to have so much influence on his reign that his reign, that time period, is actually called Sultanate of the Woman. And I think it's a nod to Haram Sultan's influential legacy. Here's the thing I love about her. I, I just, I like her. I like her complexity. I like the intrigue, the compassion, her resiliency. I like the legacy she left on a city I love. And I mourn the hundreds of times I walked by that bath, never bothering to ask what that name signified. How many of us do that in the cities in which we reside or the cities in which we tour? And this is why I've started writing these monthly travel guides to help us as women explore cities that are well known through the lens of the women who helped to shape them. And that's why I would love um, for you to subscribe so that you can get access to, to all of those cities and to this one if you ever go to Istanbul. Hasiki is one woman of many who have shaped that city and shape it today. And I love unearthing and exploring the ways in which they do so. And so here's the promise, that the hint towards the end that I gave you at the very beginning. I told you that if I were to ever to return to Turkey, it would be for different reasons, meaning it would no longer be about my story and my family's story and that 
that decade of our lives in which we gave so much of ourselves, it would be really to help others fall in love with this place that I have fallen in love with. It would be to help women explore their own story in the context of finding other women in a land like Turkey that has been shaped by the uh, Greeks and the Romans and the Byzantine Empire and the Ottoman Empire and what would that be like? And so I'm starting to consider and dream about taking a trip of perhaps mothers and daughters, older teenage girls, uh, to experience um, a fierce and lovely travel experience with me in Turkey. And if you are interested in that at all, it would help me to know the level of interest that is out there. And so I want you to email me if, if that sounds at all interesting, if you would just want to be put on a list where I could give you a heads up in the future if the plans start to become more concrete. So please email me, beth at bethbruno.org, and just say, yes, let me know if this ever becomes a reality. Because I thought that that last trip in 2018 had untethered my soul to this exotic land. But as I have been thinking about this and creating the guide for you this month, I have realized it is not over. My heart is still there, and I will always be drawn back. As you can tell, even now, I'm getting emotional. I, you know, I talked to a good friend of mine, Esra, um, in episode 16 of the podcast. So if you want to go back and just listen to Esra and I talking about what it's like for her as a Turkish woman today in today's modern Turkish society, what's it like for her to lead uh, with other men in a very patriarchal society? What's it like to be a Christian in a predominantly Muslim society? I really encourage you to go back and download episode 16 with Esra Miller. Uh, she's married to an American, hence the last name. And if you are interested, again, at all in learning about more about Turkey, I just really encourage you, check out in the show notes. I'll have a list of uh, some different books that I recommend or TV shows. They're um, very soap opery, but <laughs> it's great. It gives you a good picture of Turkish culture, and some of them are really great historical um, pieces as well. Again, love doing this, and I hope you're enjoying learning a little bit about women who have shaped the history um, that has influenced kind of the world that we live in today. And stick with me next month. Uh, I'll be taking you to another location and exploring another woman's story, all in hopes of helping you find significance in your own fierce and lovely story. This is Beth Bruno, and you've been listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast.